But who's stepping up to assume the task? Euro 92, day number nine, second semi-final. Such drama. Oh, the games are good now. Mick Foley, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, we're in we're in classic Euro '92 now. That that yeah. bit we that bit we've been waiting for. Like we were worried, we were worried a few games ago. What where this was all going? But uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a it's it's kind of like a boat that was out on choppy waters. It's 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 easing gently into shore now after this game. That was terrific stuff. This was this was just fantastic. This is the this is the last ten meters of the one hundred meter sprint that has been Euro '92. <laughs> it was absolutely thrilling though Billy Joe Patton how are you very good Rob yeah um yeah you're you're down to the 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 real meat and drink of of the tournament and as was as was described on the broadcast that I watched you know the progressive football starts now and that uh it was so they were so worried about the the, the the standard of football in the early rounds that they were even considering that the first rounds in the in a tournament had to be there had to be a winner so it had to go to there had to be a winner to stop people just being cagey so there's no more caginess left it's all about the result as meat and drink go this was a tomahawk steak and the finest red wine I would suggest to you Kieran O'Hara and how are you what's a tomahawk steak Rob I had one at the weekend it's right. pretty impressive t-bone kind of on the bone does tomahawk steak allow for John Jensen doing some of the cooking? <laughs> Do you know what? He would nail that on a barbecue. I have absolutely no doubt. I'd say no, 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 no. In this game, isn't he? If yeah, if Jan Vouters had a tomahawk steak, he would have clipped somebody around the ear with it. <laughs> <laughs> it would have just been it would just been a raw piece of meat sticking over the back of a Danish midfielder. I tell you what, John Jensen would have done with a tomahawk steak. He would have kicked it. About 15 feet up into the air, it would have landed in a row X behind the goal. What I mean, some great things to talk about in this semi-final, in this game. But there are also other things to talk about, including the, how John Jensen in this tournament has ended up on the end of so many shots just on the edge of the box. And the Danes keep passing the ball to him. Like, surely the fellow looks up and goes, oh, f- oh fuck, it's John. No, no, don't. Let's 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 go around and get a cross in. No, no, no. Roll it to John there. They want to clear some pigeons from the top of the stand. Yeah, because John's been absolutely bloody prolific so far with all these chances they keep teeing up. I mean, the the one thing that really I would say about this game was um, up until now we've been looking at Brian Loudrup going. He's clearly you know he's recovering from this injury. He's starting to come to form in this game. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is this is the Brian Loudrup you want to see. And actually watching this game, I was going, oh, how good would it have been to have both of them there? Like, Billy Joe, five minutes into this game, that cross for Larson's first goal. Oh, glorious. Beautiful. Yeah, well, that's five minutes in. But I think even even at that stage, he'd, he had already got in behind on the other, on the other wing almost instantly. Um, and he might have had another shot as well. He had a shot in the early stages as well. All right, he pulled it wide, but he was an absolute threat to out. And I think it was more. I I I I don't know what I expected. You know, watching this watching this game back, I, I I'll be honest. I expected it to be a bit of a smash and grab, and uh, the Netherlands to play all the football 
and and Denmark just to, to hang in there. But, but that that wasn't the case. Denmark actually had a really good plan and it made total sense. When you consider I've watched the Netherlands twice and I have no idea who's playing either fullback position. So the whole game plan was to get in behind whoever was on the fullback on either side. And in that early stages, Brian Ladrup got in on the left. Then as you described, Rob, there he gets in on the right, puts a deep cross in and all their crosses were deep to really go to, to somebody coming in on the back post. That was the plan. It worked to perfection. It, it, it created many more opportunities for them in the first half and it was absolutely clear to me that that was what Denmark set out to do and it, it was very impressive but you're right like Ladrup was outstanding he was busy I felt he had a I felt he had more time in him than he actually got I think that was a, a tactical mistake that nearly cost the Danes in terms of when we'll probably get into the other issues they had uh with taking him off I thought they took him off too too early but the Netherlands defence was all over the place. Denmark had the right plan and they executed it very well. I, and I here's my theory on it, right? Uh, before the game, Rennes Mikkels, the Dutch manager, was asked, you know, what do you know of Denmark? What are you expecting from them? And he said, well, we know what their kit looks like. That was his answer. He said, they're a team that prefer to play in the counter-attack and that's not easy to deal with, in particular, when you're not fully focused, right? So... That says to me two things. Number one, I know he's probably being a bit jokey and glib about the kit line, but uh, they totally underestimated him, number one. Okay, which is, un- to some degree, it's understandable, but it's also kind of unforgivable all at the same time. So they've underestimated him, and they've also misread what they're going to do. So instead of sitting in and letting the Dutch come at them, mm-hmm. the Danes, as Billy Joe has described, what they've done instead is, They've gone after them, you know, and they go after them. First 30 seconds, Lodrup is clean through. <laughs> Five minutes, they scored a goal. He has another shot, like Billy Joe says. He's, he's everywhere. Lodrup is everywhere. Fleming Poulsen is running a drag with the centre halves. Uh, the Dutch are also missing Barry Van Arla, which I think is a bit of a bit of a loss to them. But like, it's just they're just completely shocked. Um, also the other issue and this is all stuff we can get into obviously once we get into the meat and drink of the game but I think that beating the Germans I think the Dutch are on such a high after that they, they don't really come back down again yeah. and it's, that's not to say that they, they don't think put they've, up a really... they, they think they've gone back to back they do yeah they think that all we've got to do is just get over this one in the in the immortal words of Martin Tyler the only thing the Dutch like more than beating the Germans is beating them twice and I think that was their uh that was their modus operandi in this game. And they just, they took their eye off the ball for just too long. But they really, I mean, they fought back, but they were always, they were, they, they fought back, but I don't know. It's a weird game because like, they kind of took over the game then, you know, from about early second half, I would say they took over, they took over the match. But they just, I don't know what the mindset or what. But anyway, look, much to discuss. Goal number two is Dennis Bergkamp equalising. And we can talk around the edges. We don't have to find, stick on this uh, linear format here so we can bounce back and forth, Billy Joe. But Bergkamp's goal, was that poor from Schmeichel? Yeah, I think so. When you know how good he, he was um, and and is at that period in his career, because I know like a lot of goalkeepers, he had a couple of dodgy, dodgy um, seasons at the end. But yeah, he's it, it's an awkward one. And Bergkamp is trying so hard to keep it down. He bobbles it into the ground and it bounces up. So he... 
Schmeichel is having to judge how high the ball will be at or the height the ball will be at when it gets to him because it's it's very much on a, a bit of a, a, a low loop um, and he prods at it with his hands without any real conviction. The fact that there's bodies in and around in front of him, I think that kind of hinders his decision making as well. But yeah, he looked back at that and said he should he should have saved it. But again, it's kind of it's it's Burkham's ability as well in that, you know, he's edge of the box. He knows the important thing to do here is put it across the keeper and keep it down, and he does that. Not the greatest strike in the world, but um, Burkham had a great tournament. He did, yeah. he did, and he was like he did and. You know, it was a good volley. I mean, it was a good volley, but it went clean through Schmeichel, and you know, there was bodies in the way. One of the bodies actually was Torben Picknick, uh, later known that summer by Graham Souness as a must buy for his central defence. I actually, do you know what? Because because when I saw Torben Picknick, being a Liverpool fan, I had to, I had to ask him, how? how can, so remind me why? Why did we buy him? What was the thinking? Like apart from it being kind of a Euro ninety two bonus. Glenn Hussein you know, recommended. What did? Ah, t- <laughs> uh, listen, I, Jan Molby, right? Jan Molby gave the best explanation I could find. And this isn't joking. Like this is actually proper. He said, he said Torben Picnic as as a defender liked to drop off. He liked to give the opponent a bit of space and off take what, him on. Though? Then drop off. I know. Drop off what? Whereas Liverpool Molby said Liverpool defense and Liverpool style of play. Even then. Imagine in the in the early nineties was all about pressing up and pressurizing the guy in possession and making them make the mistake. And Pickney couldn't couldn't get that. Couldn't get that. He didn't have a bad game in this in this particular match now, but he was in the way for the goal. He could have blocked it. I think he could have blocked it, but Schmeichel he'll be disappointed with that, the lad. He will. Torben Picnic went down to be a real estate agent, according to Wikipedia, but let's not even go there. Um, Just imagine this. This was when in like, Liverpool footballers went on to have real jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a good point. We should have done a full. I list. think um, I, I I must find out. Does Preben Elkier Larson own a tobacconist or something now? You know? <laughs> <laughs> now he sells pens. Something like that. It's something niche. Denmark hit back. Uh, great response Billy Joe I mean you know you've done the big start you're the huge underdogs you've let a sloppy goal in let's go as far as to say that but you're not done you're not done another deep cross as you pointed out yeah again same template Um, it's look it's sloppy enough it's bad defending as well there's a there's a very it's a timid header I think originally from is it uh, Poulsen and uh, Basically, Kuman then nods it back out onto the edge, edge of the box and Larson is coming in like a train and you just know he's going to keep it down and, and smash it into the corner. Um, like he was, you know, he, he's in the right place at the right time, arriving late in the box, following, you know, basically winning a battle in one corner and getting a cross in and it leads to it. Sometimes in those sort of situations, the, the header, the initial header, was actually of no danger of going back into the net and probably would have just trickled into Van Breukelen. Um, but then it was it was a real poor header by by Koeman. He just nodded it back out towards the penalty spot, and your and Larson's charging in. But it's again it's a result of Denmark still being proactive. They get pegged back, but they still keep doing what they're doing. They played some some great football, and I think you know when you when you after watching the game, you know Google a bit and you see some maybe some interviews with ex players about this game, and they mention. And I think I maybe read one of them before I watched the game. They mentioned that 
you know, they feel, you know, underappreciated in terms of the tournament, in terms of the quality of their football, because they rightly note that the opening 60 minutes of this game, Denmark are as good as anything that any team has produced in, in the finals. Mm. I think I think a degree of this is Sweden are gone. You know what I mean? I think I think this is we're the kings of Scandinavia at least. Uh, and it's the, the old cliche of lads, we've nothing to lose. You know, we're the last Scandinavian team in it. Let's go out. Show we can play a bit of football. I'd say those players wanted to because like they're coming from like the previous generation were so talented in terms of the players that Denmark had and the teams they had. And I'd say these guys just felt undervalued and thought, Bogart, we'll go out. These are the Dutch. They're the European champions. We'll play the football. And actually, they play with complete abandon, as you say, for those first 60 minutes. And I think for me, yeah. ultimately, that's what earns them the right to be in that final. Because you know when, mm. when a game when a game goes to extra time and penalties, there's always a thing, oh, well, it was really a draw. But, or, or, you know, the team that won on penalties didn't deserve to be in the final. For me, the way they played, they deserve to be in the final. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, everything about them, they got it so right. And you're and the other thing you're dead right about, we, we've touched on this a little bit in, in another episode or two, maybe. This feeling that like they were undervalued by their own people, and just in comparison with the Sepiantic team, the Elkar, Young, Michael Oldrup, uh, all those great players that ran it, like they're coming into this. Even the manager, like Richard Moller Nielsen, was Piantek's assistant during the eighties, and he's you know what's happened to him? Like he didn't you know they, did, they don't qualify for a World Cup. Uh, Michael Oldrup walks away. And Brian Lodrup walk, both walk away from the squad early in the Euro 92 qualification campaign because the style of play is too defensive and too cautious for their liking. So they've, you know, he's lost his two biggest names, two best players. The team actually improves without them through, through the qualifying uh, campaign, by the way. They drew with Northern Ireland early doors and they lost to Yugoslavia. And at that point, that was the point when the two Lodrups went, we're gone. We're gone from the tournament anyway. We're not going to make it and we're gone from this. So to get them back and for Brian to go back, they asked Michael back, he wouldn't go. So they were, you know, they're kind of, you know, they're they're sort of, they're making their own way here. And, you know, I think there is an argument like, like Brian Lodrup was taken off quite early in this game and there is an argument, like Billy Joel just alluded to it, that I'm not sure whether it's a victory for adventure now, necessarily Denmark winning this game. I wouldn't entirely say that, but it's definitely a victory for a team throwing a really brilliant curveball at the opposition and getting the absolute max out of themselves and kind of gathering up their energies. And by the way, do you know who encapsulated it? And, you know, he would go completely... And this is why... This is the glory of doing this sort of sort of an exercise, watching these games back, because this man has been completely forgotten to history. Henrik Andersen got, took a yellow card after 15 minutes. He was... Uh, Which the, is the, him the Danish final, fullback. Yeah. He was out of the final. But, like, you know, for... For decades now, Roy Keane has been celebrated for his performance for Man United against Juventus in that Champions League semi-final. Where he also got a yellow card and was out of the final as a result. And he dragged United to that final. Now, Henrik Anderson didn't quite drag Denmark into the final, but my God, he put down some shift until he was eventually stretchered off with an knee injury. Like, it was really, for me, watching him, that encapsulated what they were about. They had... That, another thing another thing about them as well is they had a full sense of what they were at and of what they were about and their identity which I think 
And again, something we can go into a little bit. The Dutch, I don't think, fully had that sense of themselves compared to the Danes. And keep in mind, the Danes were kind of thrown together for this tournament a little bit. We interrupt this show to tell our listeners about a special offer. If you're a coach or just a sports science enthusiast, you'll love this. For a limited time only, you can get a 40% discount off the price of DD Sports Science Membership. They're an online CBD service for coaches and sports scientists. Real good opportunity. When you sign up, just use the discount code EURO92. That's EURO all caps, 92. Listeners of our show get a special discounted offer. Go to at DD Sport on Twitter to find out more. That's at DD Sport, D-E-E-L-Y Sport on Twitter. As Denmark go deeper in this tournament, like they're very similar in many respects to what happened in Irish football in that we always looked to our neighbours for validation. And ultimately where that led was we appoint Jack Charlton and he becomes the honorary Irishman because of what Ireland achieved. Denmark's success up until this point has been achieved under a German in Sepiantek. And as Mick said, Richard Moller Nielsen is his assistant. So, you know, he's the Dane that's come in now and trying to take them forward. And I think actually that's part of what we're seeing is that they're taking greater pride as a group in being this being a Danish success as opposed to something maybe that that has been planted upon them by, by bringing somebody in from elsewhere. This is a great game. We love this game. We're building towards a quite extraordinary penalty shootout. Sorry to steal your phrase, Mick, but that's your favourite phrase. Um, but it was extraordinary. What? what? Uh, yes, I love, I love an extraordinary. I, I felt we were going to get one today, and we will. You will just, you'll still do it, even though you're aware of it now. But my point is this. My point is this. I need to bring this back. Like, just to the football for a second. Because what went wrong, something you said earlier, Billy Joe, like, we've given Denmark all this credit, but they didn't see it through. They didn't bring it to the very end. How many underdogs just struggle to see out the 90 minutes or whatever the maximum of the game? You feel Laudrup's substitution was the starting point. Why did the Dutch get back into this? Because they were looking like the goal was coming before it did come. Well, I think there are, there are factors. I, I, I think that, um, you know, as I said, I, I struggle with the, with the Dutch in terms of their shape when you're watching it on, 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 on television. Uh, but it's total football. The, yeah, it it is it is it's the fluidity of it. Or is it the lack of complete organisation in defensively? But you know they take off Frank de Boer, who was struggling in the wide areas, and bring on a striker in Vim Keeft at half time. Now that does change it. They obviously change the shape as a result to probably go to a back three, um, and that helps them get back into the game. They're not as vulnerable then under uh, from in the wide areas. But you're seeing then like Rude Hullet on the on the right hand side in particular was having to be very deep for periods in that that second half and wasn't really a, a factor. Uh, Vichka had a bit more uh, luck on the other side, but I I think there was huge factors in terms of the injuries that they started to pick up in Denmark. And Ladrup was obviously taken off before anyone got hurt, and I felt that if in hindsight it's easy to say if you give him another fifteen minutes, you know, you might have got some. But you know Sivabek. Got a, had a muscle injury of some sort. Picnic, you know, was injured again. You know, at some stage they played on like the the walking wounded, um, and then Henrik Anderson had to go off because his injury and like that was on the seventieth minute. They were lucky that they had a substitution left, and that the Sivabek and uh, 
picnic injuries were afterwards and it looked it looked like i think henrik Ar- henrik anderson who, uh, who i agree completely with mick uh, he's he really was in the top two or three standouts he was marauding up the left wing i think he dislocated his kneecap that's what it that's oh, what he, it he, kind he of was looked straight, like. He was straight back to Denmark oh, yeah. for an operation. Like he was gone. He, like, he yeah, you could, uh, yeah. You could hear the roars in the in the ground. Like, uh, but but I suppose the key it was a, a big factor. They effectively played for the extra time and the last twenty minutes, walking wounded. And I think it's a it's a huge it's a it'll be it must be it must be a huge regret for the Dutch that they weren't able to 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 you know to get. You know, I know they needed to get their 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 equalising goal, um, and that was that was late on the eighty fifth minute, but not be able to to really put them to the sword in the in the extra time. I know we think about it as Ireland supporters was it, is it was it against Spain in Japan or Korea where I think <sighs> we played extra, extra time with a, with an extra <laughs> min, and it still bugs me know. to this day. You know, so I'm sure that annoys the Dutch. Oh man, like, I mean, like, we're building like, towards the like, comic. And just to point out, like for people who are listening, you were only allowed two substitutions in this mm-hmm. in this era. So they had. Did made, you find yourself like, trying so to figure that out while you were watching? I yeah, it was very off-putting actually because because as Billy Joe has described there very well, like by the end of the game they have John Sievebeck who is the right back, or if we remember our old uh, Russian commentator friends, John Silverback. John Silverback <laughs> is now centre forward. <laughs> Because they just want to get him out the way because he can't be in defence. Because at by this stage, the Danes are in full-on kind of defensive mode. So he has to be shifted up. You have Picnic still there, hanging in. Uh, Anderson is gone and Laudrup has been taken off. So they have no more. And it's not, they can't make any extra substitutions in extra time. This is it. Like, And poor John Sievebeck just, he just kind of hobbles about for, for I'd say the guts of, Oh, 40 minutes I'd say probably all told yeah. which like yeah. like he just like, I don't know how he does it he tried to make a run at one stage to close Ronald Koeman down and you're even watching going oh, would you stop acting the maggots just like just defend his space just let him I don't expect you to close Ronald Koeman down but like it was just yeah I, I couldn't understand why they took Lojo because the other thing that happened when they took Lojo off apart from not having someone to hold ball, turn the play towards the Dutch goal and run at them and things, just things like that. I noticed, I, the one thing I noticed was that the Dutch played in, com, played completely through the Danish midfield once Laudrup was gone. Like, really it was two passes and we're at the edge of the box. They could, the, the Danes had no foothold whatsoever in, in the middle after Laudrup went off. Um, and even, like, so, and I'm even not, Billy Joe, do you think he was injured? Why? 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 I think it was a I think it was two things. That he's coming back from injury. You know, he put an awful lot of effort into, into the first... Uh, in the first I think he played 57 minutes. And he was like high... He was sprinting. He was playing the game at a different pace than anyone else on the field. Uh, and I think as well it was like without me being a tactical ex- expert I think it probably was they were trying to make a tactical change and trying to address what the Dutch had done with their changes but it, I, I just think it was too negative and they were too win up you're too one up as well so you're in protective mode a bit too it, it was a niggly game though as well I think they might have been worried about <laughs> that he would get injured I mean you know, you're talking about the two substitutions. I was watching it. You know, this new rule's coming in about five. I was mm-hmm. kind of going, 
mm-hmm. God, they've gone too far now because you could change half a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, I found myself yeah. watching going, well, okay, it helped poor old John Silver back there for certain. But, yeah. God, there's, there's real opportunity for calamity as a manager if you can f- change five players, isn't there? The Dutch didn't use their second substitute until the five minutes to go in extra time, it should be noted as well. John Van Stip, was it? That came on, did I get his name right? Chip, thank you. Johnny Vanti, yeah. Chip, or uh, Vanti. There's a big, he, there's a gap between the van and the apostrophe T, which someone from Holland's going to have to. I think he ended. I think he ended up in Twenty One Jump Street afterwards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one like with five minutes to go, you only have two subs. My God, they didn't think much of substitutes in those days. Yeah, and I wasn't impressed with Roy really. You know, even his time at Nottingham Forest, I, I, I never thought he was much. You know, he was, he was, there was he's a, as Johnny Giles would say, like there's no end product. You know, he, he's a, he's another brainless winger with no, no end product. But like Aaron Winter made a contribution in, in the la, in the last game against Germany. Aaron Winter was very, superb against Germany. Yeah, and yeah. you're just thinking. You know, you have space in midfield. You have a fella sitting on the bench that proved that he can run beyond midfield and create stuff. And you didn't bring him on. Curious. It's an interesting one because there, there, is a, there was a train of thought at the time. And if you look back, if you watch the game again and you watch who's given the team talk at the end of the normal time before extra time starts, is Hullet. Hullet is the one calling the shots. So this is Rhinus Mickels, of course, like the, you know, the great, one of the great godfathers of Dutch football going all the way back to the early 70s and further. This is his last gig. He's gone after this tournament. Um, but the argument at the time was that this is management by committee. I think John Giles actually said that in a column in the Evening Herald the following day. I think that's probably where that's where it's coming from in my head. Management by committee. Who's in charge? And the inference obviously being that it was Hullet and maybe others kind of calling the shots. I don't know about. I don't have a clue. Don't know. Couldn't couldn't give any credence to that one way or the other. Odd, isn't it? I know, Very odd. but it's so late Very in the strange. tournament because they were riven by like yeah. optimism after round three. Like, <laughs> it's like all you had to do was hold it. You were nearly there, lads. Freaking <laughs> it was looking so good. God's sake! Oh. But uh, it was strange. It was, um, yeah, it was strange. And I, I like that comes back. I mean, what do you, actually, lads? What do you think of Van Basten in this game? I, I, the head shake, Billy. Joe. I, 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 he didn't play well. I there was a, there was one very curious thing where he takes a ball down pretty well just to the left hand side in the second half to the left hand side inside the penalty area and he just randomly hooks this looping ball it must have gone forty feet in the air and it just went out past the far post and the camera quickly panned to uh, the man you know Michel's in the Mikkels in the in the dugout and he doesn't even. He doesn't even react, you know. He's just <laughs> no, he's just deadpan, and I'm there watching it, knowing the result. Thirty years later, and I'm throwing my hands in the air. What the fuck was that? And he's not even react. So now, look, you can't watch a game with Van, that Van Vasten plays in, and not see snippets of absolute quality. There was two or three layoffs. There was one dummy in the first half where he kind of body shimmies and goes the other way with his back to goal. But every time I watch him now, I just I feel a, a, a sadness because I don't think he had the, the confidence he... of '88. Like I think no, and you know the you know the game we discussed against Germany where we said like if if it had been the millimeters below and in the net like yeah. the the goal of the tournament. I think if Van Basten scores that, the confidence he gains from it tees him up. But but keep in mind, keep in mind, like that this guy is in 1992. He's European Footballer of the Year. Mm-hmm. 
All right, and he's going to be voted World Footballer of the Year. That's right for 1992. So like, it's not like he's coming in a bit uncertain. I mean, there was one, there was one other moment in the game that kind of on another level, on another level, uh, sort of a, kind of maybe was a glimpse of things to come. He kind of, he kind of, he was on the ground and the ball kind of was in between his legs and he kind of got stuck in between his feet. He's, he was holding onto it and the Danes just come in and I swear to God. They're like a bunch of lads on a at, at a vineyard pounding on grapes. They just kind of start stamping up and down his ankles. And you're like, oh, Jesus. It's like he's getting a right shoeing in a rock or something. Yeah. It, Ref, step in. Those ankles are precious. And it's actually, it's the, it's the following, it is the following autumn when he starts to have serious, serious problems with the ankles. So, you know, stuff is happening. Stuff is happening to Van Basten. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't good. Wasn't good in this game by his lofty standards. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the the sadness, uh, the main sadness comes from the abuse he gets, like the tackles right. from behind. It they're just yeah. like it's it's brutal. It it is it is brutal, and you can see how basically forwards are. You can see how players like him were taken out of the game. Like he was taken out of the game at what twenty seven, and yeah, it, it's it's sad. Uh, as Michael mentions it there. I uh, that you know Van Basten was World Player of the Year. It was my cue to pick up an edition of World Soccer magazine, which I have from later <laughs> that year. And you know, World Soccer always just tell you have lying around the house. Uh, that's it, on, yeah, is it, yeah. Is this stuff just have, yeah. This was just next to the toilet, obviously. Um, the 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 World Player of the Year voting. How many non-Europeans do you think were in the top ten that year? Ooh. Oh, World Not Player many. of the Year. 92 in the top 10 go with yeah. none zero Ro- Romario Romario is in it yeah two no one Brazilian Rai would you like me to Rye. go 10 to 1 who the world player of the year uh, yes. order was go on yeah, yeah, please do. And, and I think you'll find some of these you'll be kind of going oh I'd have had him higher or I wouldn't have had him here yeah. at all number where's, 10 Thomas where's Brolin Car- where's Carlton Palmer in it is Carlton Palmer in it <laughs> 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 I would have had now you may I laugh, but uh, nine is <laughs> Rye. Okay. Eight is Frank <laughs> Reichardt. Now seven. If the, if you, if I was to tell you there was a Scottish player in the top ten and not an English player, who would you have as the Scot that made the top ten in the World Player of the Year voting? Ali McCoist. <laughs> Marth Mal- bang Mal- on Mal- the money! Bang on the money! Ali McCoist was seventh in the voting. Well done. Six. Was this a phone Ronald Koeman. <laughs> well, no, the voting for this is always, you know, the, the captain of each national team and the manager of each national team in the world vote for this. Um, Brian Laudrup was five. Mm-hmm. Thomas Hassler was four. Three was Peter Schmeichel. Um, number two was Dennis Bergkamp. And number one was Marco Van Basten. Now, here's another interesting one. The man, World Manager of the Year was Richard Mullenearson, which obviously we know why now. But who do you think was number two? Mm. I can tell you it wasn't Rhinus Meikles. <laughs> Johan Cruyff. Know. Was second oh, in the World Christ. Manager of the Year voting that year. I was reading about his uh, reading about that in Barcelona book about Guardiola. Yeah, let's go on. Great, Great. stuff. 
Marco Van Basten, player of the year, but we didn't see a, an inkling of it here. He was to have a t bad time to penalty shoot as well. Billy Joe, before we finish on this game, Fleming Polson, we mentioned it off air, I think, but just like he kind of surprised a few of us. Surprised you? Not surprised, he did. But we know he he did. I, 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 I don't remember much about him, but I, I think what. He, 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 what impressed me most and, most, and what maybe I'm 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 wrong here in terms of what people remember him, but it was the work, as they would say now, between the lines. You know, his ability to find a bit of space, to carry the ball through that space, to retain possession. Um, you know, it it kind of tells you, look, that's a footballer that knows his way around a football pitch. He knows where to find a pocket of space, and um, that that was the impressive thing for me on that. And I'm I'm I'm, I'm all ears if anyone else has anyone to add to 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 that appraisal. No, he was terrific. He was like he, he he's just so energetic, even all the way deep, deep, deep into extra time. He's the one that's just continually running and showing and hustling and hassling and getting into Ronald Koeman's face, his old PSV team and he's just he's just gritty and he's he's one of these lads that starts sweating after three minutes and the hair is stuck to him. And he's got an old mullet and a fringe and he just looks like he's fucking Oh come on lads and he's just like he looks like he's after putting in a hard shift before the game even starts. It's, it's he's an impressive, impressive guy. The goal, the equalising goal, like you just, I mean, and this is so important as well. Not just because it was the equalising goal, but the timing came with five minutes to go in normal time. The Danes are nearly out the gap, and it's a really messy corner. It Olsen, Lars Olsen misses it. Our friend Torben Picnic misses it. Can you believe it? <laughs> Graham Souness must have been, I don't know, drinking his Pepsi or, I don't know, find, trying to find his ticket under his seat or something when that happened. Um, and Larson also missed it. Henrik Larson missed it. And uh, Roy Card manages to stab at home. And I mean, it's I mean, it's a wonder. And I mean, keep in mind that at this point, the Danes have been penned in for a good 25 yeah, minutes. Yeah, they have been, yeah. And they're down to nine men, effectively. And now they're looking into extra time. I mean, it's it's high drama. I mean, if the football... I don't, I don't know about you guys. I thought the football kind of dipped and the pace of the game dipped oh, yeah, after the first did, half. The first half was so exhilarating. But now the drama element kicks in. Now the, 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 kind of the, the, the whole scenario of these rank outsider underdogs who almost got there. And the, the, the assumption, and absolutely the assumption on the Dutch side of things is that they will now crumple at some point and we'll get the goal I think this was time. this was like, extra time was when we started wanting Denmark to win you know I think up until now we've kind of gone uh, they've been the back pass and team they've been plucky mm -hmm. fair play to them they get their opportunity but you're hoping the Dutch were going to win until it gets to extra time and now you're going let's let's see them through yeah that's yeah, a fair point yeah it's because the Swedes it's, had trilled us, but like the Danes hadn't exactly done that to this point. Yeah, and you know what, lads, it's inches, inches away from Dutch from the Dutch winning as well. Like mm -hmm. they have a couple of chances in extra time, but there's one in particular. It's mm -hmm. it's a Gaza moment. It's a Gaza Euro '96 moment where he's like a toe away yeah. from putting England into into the final that time. It's a cross from Van Basten for Hullet, and he's just he's he's just like a millisecond. <laughs> too it's, late it's so close it's so so close and that's like again with about four, five or six minutes to go on extra time yeah. go Billy Joe yeah no that's that was a, a Gaza moment um, 
I think you see the pace and power of Hullet. Like uh, he picks up that ball in, uh, I think from a from a, a cross that's collected by Van Breuklin, and he just bowls it out to Hullet, and Hullet just strides strides up the field, and and they play it. And he's uh, not quite as close as the Gaza one, you know, where that literally is yeah. a stud. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. about there's about six inches in this, but it's it's, it's almost an identical situation, um, and it. Uh, it's it really is uh it's their big chance but i i think it, to go back to kieran's point you know i i felt that going into this game I'd, I'd be rooting for the dutch but even when they were on top when they had all the advantages late in the second half in extra time they didn't play great football and you know that, therefore i was at peace completely uh, with, with 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 the game going to penalties it, is this the like okay so recency bias is a weird thing on the podcast where you're looking 30 years ago but I have recency bias about a penalty shootout from 1992 I think this might be the first moment in scientific history that this has happened Mick is it the greatest penalty shootout I've ever seen Rob mm-hmm. you know I'm not a man for exaggeration not at all <laughs> but I think this is the greatest penalty shootout ever it may well be the greatest 10 minutes of sport there ever was <laughs> lads it's unbelievable <laughs> it's unbelievable on all levels on all levels like on the, the the penalties themselves the attempts at the saves the the trash talking that goes on how it's decided it's unreal it's absolutely unreal. You're, like, I mean, you think the game, at this point, you think the game has nothing left to give. It's a penalty shootout, someone will miss. No, no, no. We're only getting going. Oh, I fully agree. Should we watch? Yeah, we, we've had this idea of, of watching the penalty shootout in full, Kieran. That's what you're thinking while we talk. Yeah, I think let's watch it again. Let's just see. Okay, so like, you, guys, like you can, can do you guys this, see the screen there? On. Yeah, right. We're watching it on our screen. You can watch it at home along if you want. Uh, penalty number one. Who's up first? Looks like Kuman, is it? Ronald Kuman. Yes, is Ronald. for Holland is up. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that most people are expecting, you know, something delicate here. <laughs> oh, yeah, very subtle. He's delicate. Subtle, he nearly broke the crossbar. <laughs> <laughs> he smashed it. Schmeichel is, isn't so much trying to save it as get the hell out of the way. Penalty number two. Larson. Well, yes, Henrik Larson. Um, the, my Van Breiklin nearly, nearly, uh, nearly got that one. He, he gets hands to it. He goes right. He gets hands to it. Larson after scoring two goals already in the game. Penalty number three for the Dutch. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh. Marco. Lads, that's a good you save. That is a good save. That's a. Look at it, if, and if you watch, okay, so he goes to the left. Van Basten goes to his right. Schmeichel goes to his left. That's a good penalty, and it's a great save. He doesn't move, lads, until like the last second. The third the replay, the, the third replay of that penalty is the one. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's it, that's a sensation. And he it, just it, gets it, like it's his, it's the bottom of his hand. Yeah, yeah but you, you'll you'll see it on Schmeichel when you. I noticed that when he's guessing to go. He's 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 not committing to high or low at any stage. You'll see one penalty is higher than him. His his upper hand is the one that reaches for it. This one is he's he's such a big man that he gets he gets across so quickly that it's his his, his, his bottom hand that pushes it away. Uh, so it's obviously a technique that he's developed for for penalties. It's sensational. 
But no, lads, this one is good. Pendino Already, it's, it's, it's Fleming Paulson coming up for Denmark. And Van Broeklin is already starting the shit talk. He's old. Yeah, he's see, chatting like... to the ref. He's he's jawing away at Paulson. Oh, they're they're, cl- they're the club ref, mates. The ref has had to step in. Gustav. They're, they're, oh. they're, I, I believe they're club mates. Am I right? Yeah, PS. Well, they were a PSV. Uh, yeah, they were. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Paulson though at this stage is in the Bundesliga. At this stage, so he's were, moved on. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But they were yeah. old buddies. Mm, that was that. Was, straight away, I was like. That would not go down. Just pause it there. That would not go down well in modern football with from Brooklyn. Pa- Paulson with the with the two handed head down. Yes, baby <laughs> celebration. <laughs> but again, Van Brooklyn gets hands to it. It goes into the top left hand corner as Paulson is looking at it. But Van Brooklyn gets hands on it. He's getting close. Just on on this next one, right? Um, this is Burkamp. Yeah. Watch, yes. watch, 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 Michael off to the left. Can you see that? He's mm. off to the left. He's got the two hands on the knees. He's trying to see, like, he's just trying to get in Bergkamp's eye line there. Surely that's not. <laughs> Whoa, that's got close finish, as well to the ball. Great finish. For that him. was probably, actually, the, 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 of all these penalties, the Bergkamp one was probably the most boring because yeah. he just steps up yeah, and he just drills finishes. it. Mm-hmm. And oh, it's I'm just perfect. It's fine. By the way, by the way, there was a moment in the extra time with Burkamp where he lost control four times in a row, like really badly. Like the ball bounced off his shins like they were made of galvanized. And it was so un Burkamp. It was very strange. But this, this this penalty is kind of just it kind of tilts the, the axis of the planet back back that's right just again, an, you know. It's just that's the penalty of an automaton. Someone, you know? Lars yeah, Elstrup yeah. up next, lads, and uh, he has to face the uh, the mind games of Van Breitling. Boom. No bother to him. Not a bother. Yeah, well, that, that is a down, finish. That, yeah, that, down the middle. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a last minute decision there to change, I think. Um, and he just sees him and then pu- pushes it the other way. Sends him the wrong way. Yeah. Van Broeklink is, maybe it's just etched in my memory because of Italia 90 and Ireland playing against him, but he has the same jaw as Packy Bonner. Am I wrong? <laughs> I probably am wrong. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Think about he has the same jaw as, as Roy Race, I think, is who you're looking for. <laughs> I, yeah, I think compared to compared compared to Packy Bonner, I think there's probably another half inch of play in uh, the Van Broeklin jaw. But, but it's yeah, it's kind of jutting, and it's it's perfect. It's actually perfect for this kind of scenario now. You know, where you're trying to intimidate lads, just stick the jaw. By the way, this wrecked my head at this that point because the score comes up on the screen, right, four five, and I was like. <laughs> Yes. What? I mean, they're but they're beaten. <laughs> it's like, is he taking the penalty just for the sake of it? But then I realised what they had decided to do was add the two goals in the game itself to the penalties, and each player actually was getting another goal in the tournament in this moment in time. Ah, that's weird. Were they? Weird. Yeah, yeah it says uh, four or five on the right, screen. Right. Reichardt took the next one well. I have to say, like that's he took it well. Yeah, know, he did. He did. He did. Bottom corner. It's almost as no. dull as Bergkamp's, really. It nearly is as dull, yeah. Just pause nearly it before is. the next one because we're starting to get into the, you know, the epilogue, the, the drama moment on stage. This is where it all starts to play out. Obviously, Van Basten has already missed, but my word, these next couple of penalties are... Uh, whew, Mick, take it away. Yeah. Unbelievable. And the man who steps up to take the seventh penalty, Denmark's fourth penalty. I mean, what can you say? 
Kim Vilfort is taking the penalty. Mm. Um, and tell us a bit. Tell to, us the story. Tell us about Kim Vilfort. Well, it's un, it's it's just unbelievable. It's just it's an unbelievable story. So Vilfort, uh, by the way, who has played an outstanding match, at the, you know he was absolutely superb um, in the game. But the weight that Kim Vilfort is carrying into this match, before this game, he was back home in Denmark. He went home because his seven-year-old daughter, Linja, was in hospital undergoing treatment for leukemia. Uh, in fact, he had gone home before the final group game against France as well. He missed the French game because he was at home at his daughter's bedside. And really, people didn't think he'd come back uh, after the French game. But... His family encouraged him. Uh, Lina herself encouraged him to go back. She was seven years old. Um, his wife encouraged him to go back. They wanted to keep some semblance of whatever you could call normality in their life. And I suppose that was his job and that's what he needs to be doing. And it was such a huge moment for the country that he should go and he should, he should do this. Uh, and even, you know, given the, fact that he'd, given the fact that they had beaten France without him and Henrik Larsson actually was his replacement, there was no guarantee Villefort was going to even come back into the team. But he did. And Vilfort himself described his performance after, or the game itself, anyway, as one of the best games he had ever played in, um, despite the trauma that must have been going through him. So, you know, he had already played with with all of that stress and that trauma within him, and now he is asked to step up to take this such crucial, crucial, crucial penalty at a, at a crucial moment in the shootout. Um, and, lads, he absolutely drills it he absolutely drills it and you just couldn't i mean when you know when you know the story um you just it, it just adds it just adds so much to this penalty it's an extra it's an extraordinary penalty there i'm actually, glad it's you know, the mind games are f- care on first that's a quality you finish. quality finish but joe the mind games are at play um he comes yeah. up just talk us through this penalty yeah, I actually, I think this is just pure determination, pure mindset, because I watched the, I rewound it when I was watching it a couple of times. He looks like his legs are going to collapse from under him. He looks that fatigued. You know, he's literally putting everything into 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 the, the strike. He's obviously clearly made his mind up what he's going to do with the penalty, and he executes it perfectly. But he just looks like he's under, you know, he's he's just spent. He's spent, and you can think of the the emotional energy the, that he's, you know, I, I can't, I just can't look. I, I don't even like talk of this because you, I, I cannot describe or understand what he must be feeling uh, just in his general life to be able to go out and then compete like, like, like he does and 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 deliver and deliver on that key moment when not only and it, I think it kind of the news about his daughter at this stage is kind of just broken. So everyone in the stadium, the the bro, the, the commentator. You know, referenced it knows what he's going through the, in his personal life and even to deal with the expectation of everyone rooting for you uh, and to still be able to deliver you know you know credit can i can i just say can you imagine what his daughter felt like at that moment watching that watching that yeah, that must have given her such a buzz you yeah, know when you when yeah. you think of the things you would want for somebody that's going through that experience to be able to lift their spirits to raise them mm-hmm. like that must be any father is going to be their child's superhero but right now he's got the biggest cape on the planet Mick, Mick back me up here he went straight back to 
back me up here if I miss anything, but I just want to re-emphasize. We've got the mind games. He's walking down. He, he slows his walk down, you know, looks fatigued, but he points to the referee from 20 meters before he's near that penalty spot to say, tell him to get back on the line. And he's not going to get to that penalty spot yeah. until he's on the line. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And this is another thing that starts to happen. Like, we've already seen Van Broeklin, you know, kind of throwing a few jibes at the Danes. Now the Danes are playing him at his own game, starting with Vilfort. Vilfort isn't having it. I mean, whatever fatigue he's going through, whatever whatever stresses are, 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 are weighing on him, he's so focused now on scoring this penalty. And he, he's seen, he's, he has the peace of mind to see what Van Broeklin has been up to. And now he's throwing it back at him. He's getting the ref to make sure he's on his line. Stay where you are, etc., etc., and get ready for this. Um, but Vilfort, what what an amazing character! Like I mean, after this game, he goes back to Denmark again. He goes back to the hospital again, and again there is a question mark over whether he will come back. Um, and sadly to say that his daughter didn't survive. Unfortunately, she died a few weeks after uh, the final. So the, you know, she, you know, the family knew that her 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 prospects for survival were were very very low so that it, it just it just adds so much to it and it would have impacted the group i mean he played for bromby um he was very close to peter schmeichel who was also a former bromby player um like of the of the bromby group of that generation of players linia was the first child born to that group of friends casper schmeichel actually was the second child born uh they were very close in age um so it would have impacted very much. And he was he comes across, again, in interviews and, and, and when people speak about him, as a very quiet man, very private man, um, very sort of uh, the classic do-your-talking-on-the-pitch kind of person. Um, and, I mean, my God, how he did his talking on the pitch. in that Just in that moment alone, even take out what comes next, that penalty alone is just a tribute to the man. You know, what more can you say? And sport being sport is just carrying on around him, Billy Joe, and now Dutch have to score a penalty to keep themselves in the tournament. Yeah, and it's uh, Rob Wichka, uh, a reliable left foot. We've already seen it in action in, in the German game with a, a long-range free. And he strides up confidently and opens his body up, pushes it with his left boot. As Schmeichel goes Sends to Schmeichel left. completely the wrong way. Yeah, and his... And, uh, you know, confidently strokes strokes at home. Um, you know, outstand, outstanding penalty, really, under severe pressure as well to keep the, the Dutch alive. Now, and lads, go. just on that, right? And just on that, right? Just for a moment to pause. Here's just a list of Dutch penalty takers, right? <laughs> Koeman, Van Basten, Bergkamp, <laughs> Rijkaard, and Vichka, who was the penalty taker for Feyenoord at the time. So, you know, he was a career penalty taker. I mean, if you were putting together, it's certainly a four mm-hmm. to take penalties. Well, sure, who else should you be going with, like, you know? Um, so, I mean, you know, to get to, to get to this position now where we are, Rob, with Kim Christofta, the oldest Dane in the squad, coming up to take a, take a, a penalty. And again, like, what a penalty. More hyperbole coming your way, folks. The greatest penalty I've ever seen individually is here. We, this is it. I, like, it has... Billy Joe, just take it away. I have to stop talking. Well, okay. I, and I don't want to miss anything. 
but so please stop me because there are a number of facets to the carrying out of this, this penalty um, <laughs> in three parts I we're making it sound the greatest penalty since the Panenka here we're making it sound like the greatest story ever told it but but it, it does it it deserves. There are a couple of different facets. I I, I particularly love the bit uh, which he does totally on purpose. If you ask me, where he asks the referee, "Can he respot the ball?" And like, just uh, there is a bit of a conflict. Does that happen before or after? Where the referee has to take them, take the Van Breukelen and him to have a chat. Is that am I getting no? That no, right? that's that's that was the starting. That, was but that goes back. That's Paulson. That's Paulson. That was, earlier. That was okay. Paulson and Van Breukelen. Yeah. Okay. Well. Then, but, well, he asked the referee, can he respot the ball? And he goes and he, and he respots the ball after had wheeled back about eight steps from the ball. And there you think, uh, okay, that's, that's, his, that's his, uh, his method, his method. He, he, he asked the referee to respot the ball. He goes and respots the ball. It doesn't look like it needs to be respotted at all. And then he only takes three steps back. And you can kind of, I'm looking at this going, <laughs> what's he doing here? The ref is looking at him. The ref is looking. Okay, wh- what's happening here? And you can be damn sure Van Breitland's in. Is he going to take another couple of steps back or, or what's he going to do? <laughs> and then he starts to, 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 to progress towards the ball. And he kind of does this weird body shimmy as if he's going to turn his body to the right, to the left. Then he kind of does a John Aldridge kind of shuffle. And then he opens his body up and just passes it into the net. It's like these three little combined movements. And Van Breitland is totally confused bust altogether and goes to his left and and Christophe just passes it like it dribbles into the net in the far side having totally psyched him out it's it's a thing of beauty but Van Breitland's body language right he finishes genuflected two fists to the ground head bowed you like this could be turned into a statue it's Marvel universe stuff this is Sisyphus if he dropped the ball (laughs) <laughs> no, I was just going to say the view from behind is uh, is the real uh, one that tells you in terms of this weird body shimmy he does, and um, it, it, it's I've never seen it since. Uh, it's like something he just made up on the spot. There was me thinking earlier on that he's a, this is something that he's been practiced. I think this is just totally off the cuff now. I haven't seen it again. And Mick, I know that the most impressive thing of the whole event is what you're going to speak about now, and that is the celebration. Oh, the celebration. Oh, like, well, I'm actually going to throw that back to you because I just, I just want to, I just don't want to leave the penalty. I just don't want to leave the penalty. It's so good. No, can like, we just stay with three, this? Do a whole podcast on this. I just want to stay with this. I mean, if, if there were, there were, he did three things in the penalty that if he only did one of them, it would be memorable. <laughs> yeah. But he did three things. Like, as Billy Joe has described it, I can't, like, I really, people have to see this because he has spotted the ball and he's ready to take the penalty. It's like, biggest penalty in Danish football history. And King Christophe goes, hang on a minute there, I think I see a fly on the ball. Well, stop everything. Stop. Get back. Hands, get back on your line, boy. And he goes up and he picks the ball up and he puts it down. And, I, I, you know, I know I'm repeating what you said, Billy Joe. But, like, he, but so, if he only did that, Right, and just did the three steps back. That would be genius. If he only did the little hip shimmy thing, that looks a bit like a kind of an an adapted Roger Miller goal celebration, just before he strikes the fecking ball, like a little shimmy, and also he gives him the eyes. <laughs> he gives him the eyes, and Van Breuklin sees the eyes, and he buys the eyes, 
And the next thing, your man's rolling into the net like a kind of an an an, an, an adjust and adapted penning. And then he does like. And you're going. Oh my God! Go on. The to celebrate. I need a celebration just, to use because I. He just runs around on the penalty spot at a pace that I don't think if you tried <laughs> to recreate it, you could do. It's like some sort of beautiful Russian ballet scene. It's it like I feel like this is the entire. Po- it's like do you know the way there was like a calling. Something's making me watch every single game of Euro '92 for some reason. I don't know what the reason. This is the reason. I had something was dragging me towards this. I had to see it again, and now I feel like the end of this entire podcast is going to be like the end of the Lord of the Rings or something. It's going to go on way too long isn't it we've we've beat we can't beat this do you mean it was want to know what kim christoph just said about the penalty go yes yes please please. yes please he was asked afterwards like what was that all about and uh he said i was never nervous i was never nervous i knew exactly what to do he said his whole modus operandi was to wait until the absolute last second to see what way Van Breuklin would go and keep in mind I don't know I certainly noticed this anyway that both goalkeepers Van Breuklin and Schmeichel stayed still till the last second for mm. nearly all the pay- they weren't like they were guessing at p- points but they weren't jumping off their lines or anything no. or they weren't they weren't doing any of that they were waiting t- t- the last second so this was like do you know what it was it was almost like it could have been a case where Kim Christophe Waited so long he didn't kick the ball and Van Breuklin waited so long to see what Kim Christopher was going to do. He didn't dive. The two boys could have been frozen forever just kind of staring at each other going, it's like gunfight at the OK Corral or something like that. Kind of going, all right, who's going to draw first here? But that's what he, he said. I, I had to laugh like, I mean, he was kind of, oh, no, no, I knew what I was doing all along. You did, you. Didn't, didn't I know. know like. <laughs> but but just to give the, just to give the celebration, you know, it, it, it is you I think Rob, did you describe it as balletic? It was it, it was yeah. it was a thing of ballet. As he hits the ball with his left boot, he carries on, follows round, maybe makes two steps, he kind of moves into a tight spiral and he wraps around <laughs> does the full three sixty and as he's maybe coming through about two hundred degrees, he starts to lower his body to his knees with clenched fists. It was I like he was trying believe. to kick a fella behind him. <laughs> You've just wrecked it. You've just ruined it on me now, Kieran. You just ruined it. Billy Joe was auditioning to do like the uh, the gymnastics commentary at the next Olympics. Damn you and your realism. There. You're nearly in. Yeah. Don't take us out. Don't take you, you pulled us out of our little psychedelic journey. All right. I think that's pretty much it. That's it. Denmark go to the final. There's more to be told. We will tell it. The Dutch go home there's more to be told there's a USA 94 qualifying campaign and it has you know what we you know especially in, in our neck of the woods we get hung up on on the English record of penalty shootouts this this defeat is the beginning of the most atrocious run oh. for the Dutch in major tournaments right. penalty shootouts yeah right so not to you know to cut a long story short they lose the 1992 Euro semi-finals on penalties 1996 uh, they're knocked out of the Euro quarterfinals on penalties. 98 World Cup semi-final penalties. 2000 Euros semi-finals penalties. Like it's... Do the Dutch guys get to make Pizza Hut ads afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they... I really hope so. I really, really hope so. Van Basten, by the way, wasn't too pushed about missing the penalty. They... He was accosted in the airport on the way home. He said, look, 
someone has to take him, someone has to miss him sort of attitude. I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing. There. Yeah, but you know <laughs> what? You know. Of all the, the missed penalty situations, like, it, it was a great save. It was it was the only miss out of, out of 10 penalties. It's, it's not the worst way to go. It's not the last kick. I don't know. I'm not trying to make him feel better here. No. But hey, that's it from us. Final thoughts all around the table. Big Japan, anything to add before we leave you alone? No. Uh, memorable game. Uh, one of the reasons we do this thing is, is for games like this. And um, Amen. Uh, I, I think, it, uh, I think it's, uh, it, it's, I've regained some respect for Denmark's achievement in, in, in this tournament on, on watching this. Mm, like, I like it. Mick? Without a doubt. I go back to something Billy Joe said a couple of episodes ago about teams just needing to hit their mark once or twice in a small tournament, small knockout tournament like this. And the Danes have done it. They absolutely nailed it. I would love to talk more about the Dutch and the subsequent sort of drift between 92 and the World Cup in 1994 and the wars between Dick Advocat and Ruud Hullet and all the things that kind of uh, that accompanied them. Uh, into that World Cup, but maybe, maybe that's for another, that's for another time. Let, let's do that. There. Dutch Masters, one day at a time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that'd be traumatic. It's fairly traumatic. I, I'm going to leave it's us with. Um, now we've got a final. We've got an underdog. You know that's, uh, you know Billy, di- Billy did say at the start like the tournament football, anything can happen. But what you really want in any tournament is a little bit of romance. And one of the great things about Italia '90 was all the underdogs and how they achieved within the tournament. Now we're looking at the world champions in a final against little old Denmark, who 12 days before weren't even in the tournament. 